Hi. Welcome to the No Contact Club. I'm Portia. And I'm Chloe. And Chloe's actually going to take us in with a cool, smooth rap today. Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back, everybody. <laughs> Sorry, we're, I've got Chloe laughing now. <laughs> we're, we're clearly just as stupid as ever. Um, Speak for yourself. <laughs> uh yeah, so how's it going? Yeah, good, good. We almost didn't record tonight because we have been binge-watching Community now that it's on Netflix. Yeah, it's kind of a problem. <laughs> yeah. No, it's actually really good, though. It's, it's such, such a good show. show. Yeah, it's, it's so great. funny. And it's gotten us both... Well, I, I had already listened to him before, but <laughs> but now we've been binging also Childish Gambino. Yes. His music. So good. It's literally so good. Like I love um, the song Shadows. And 3005, they're my yeah. two favourites. Yeah, I think they're, they're so good. Yeah, and also, pretty good. Ev- this is America, but everybody loves that one. Yeah, that song is like... Peak. <laughs> peak. Childish Gambino, it's so yeah, good. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. Um. Yeah, so we uploaded early. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully this you're hearing this on a Tuesday, because that's when we decided to do it. But we got such a an overwhelmingly positive response from the first episode that we ended up uploading episode two yeah. early. Yeah. Um, I, it was, um, yeah, just really so, uh, so many people just like reaching out and, yeah. and emailing and it was just so. We have listeners like all over. Like I, d- had, I still can't, I still don't I understand. don't get that. Where did you find it? Like yeah. how, why are you listening to us? There's like someone in Denmark, in Turkey, in Malta, Malaysia, Hi, Germany. people from <laughs> yeah. from different lands, from these places. far away. Please, um, yeah, it's just say hello to us. <laughs> it's just crazy, weird. Like, I want to know why they're listening and yeah, how they same. found us. Please, yeah, I, I think us. I think that's I think that's why. Like, it's so interesting to see where other people are listening. Like, so you can deep dive into like, yeah, who your yeah. listeners are because of the fact that you can kind of. Or I guess you're kind of like going, how are they resonating? Like, how is this yeah, resonating what, with them? What's bringing them to it? Yeah. But yeah. I'm guessing it's quite a universal topic. Yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. <laughs> Most likely. And I feel like it's not really talked about much. So, you know. Yeah. Well, for, I know as well for me that when all this first started happening and I was looking for information, I couldn't really find any podcasts. I know there is. So there is one podcast that I listen to. And used to listen to quite a lot. And she also has a really good YouTube channel, mm-hmm. um, which I, I would recommend to anybody to listen to this podcast. Oh, um, yeah. Is Inner Integration. Oh, my gosh, yeah. She's, she's so good. She's fantastic. Like, she's really good. The way that she speaks is so, um, like, a like comforting. Yeah. Like, really just, like, you feel like she's there with you. And at the end of every um youtube episode she goes and i'm and i'm sending you a big hug and you're just like oh this is so nice i know she's and she knows her stuff too she's not yeah. just a quack <laughs> yeah she knows what she's talking about which is really um really yeah. good and it kind of reminds me of um that i don't i can't remember her name but she's that tiktoker tick, is it is, tic, is it tiktoker TikToker. yeah i don't know <laughs> that, that TikTok, but i know who you mean The she's like she's like that african-american woman and she, she um, has such a nice voice and yeah she like speaks so beautifully, and yeah. she, you feel like she's speaking right she's at you. She's been all over BuzzFeed recently, hey. Has she? Yeah, like, uh, I've seen her BuzzFeed and something else talking about how she's, like, I guess gone viral, but, like, a, a lot of people talking about how her voice is, like, really soothing and, and stuff. And we she, need to get her name, because yeah, <laughs> we're not we, doing her any credit. We do. We don't know her name. <laughs> yeah, but she, um, 
she is yeah. so, it, like everybody's like I wish she was my mom. Yeah, she's <laughs> so so nice. Yeah, she she was talking about um vegan bacon. Yes, like that's bacon. the video that went that went yeah. viral. I think. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So, are you listening to any podcasts at the moment? I suppose you're not driving to work, so yeah. I kind of I I used to like I used to listen to them a lot when I was driving to work, but mm. because now I'm. Not, not traveling, traveling for work. It's kind of two minutes around the corner. Yeah, I don't have the opportunity to because I'm always just working, yeah. so I can't concentrate on a podcast at the same time as working. Mm. I'm mainly just binging TV shows in my spare time. Yeah, watch TV shows. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, what about you? Uh, I've been listening to this new um, Scrubs podcast, and like I love Scrubs so yeah. much. The Scrubs TV show was it's, so good back in the day. I know. I mean, you watch it back now, and there's some like problematic things but that's the same with all like I early think, 2000s like 90s yeah, tv shows yeah. you have to take everything with a grain yeah of salt. <laughs> yeah and like remember when it like the time that it was filmed but the two main um actors zach braff and donald Faison, who play turk and jd yeah they've started a podcast called fake friends uh sorry fake doctors real friends oh that's and they so cool. just like rewatch each episode and really? talk about it and like have other actors on and stuff it's so funny i laughed so hard and they're um, song. Who was it? Turk and Turk and JD. Yeah. Oh, okay. And like their their song, their like intro song is so catchy and fun. Like we kind of need. I think we need a song. <laughs> so same. So uh, <laughs> I don't <No>. know. <laughs> I'm, I'm, okay, I'm okay not singing. Yeah. But maybe we can uh, hire someone else to do that yes, once we're 100%. like super famous podcasters. Like you know. Yeah, like um, <laughs> my favorite murder. Yeah, like theirs. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, we'll just get Karen Kilgariff to yes to sing for us, sing for us Please. for our intro. <laughs> anyway, so shall we get into today's topic? Yeah. Okay. Hey, while we are knowledgeable about this stuff because of our collective experiences, we aren't professionals. We research what we talk about, and our references are in the show notes. But please don't take anything we say as gospel. If you feel like you need support, you can reach out to us at the No Contact Club at gmail dot com. Or see the links in the show notes. Thanks. Today's topic is the golden child. Um, so you, you go. You start. <laughs> I was just going to say the exact opposite of the scapegoat, really, which yeah. was last week. Yeah. Um, the, pretty much. I mean, for both of us, it's it's kind of hard because of the fact that neither of us spent very long um, in the place of the golden, golden child. child. So. Yeah we will have probably less anecdotes that we can speak about mm. on our on of our, our own, own yeah. journey in that place because of the fact that they were very fleeting. Mm. But um, essentially for the golden child, they're like the chosen one of the mm-hmm. family member. You know, they're, they're sort of like a trophy for the narcissist mother to show off or... Like an object that they yeah. possess rather yeah. than the golden child being their own person. They're yeah. kind of this like extension of the mother... Narcissistic, yeah. narcissistic mother sort of like a look what I made like yeah. you know look what I gave birth to and what I have perfected yeah. to and this person and I guess sometimes as well in regards to saying look what I look what I made mm. quite often the golden child will have sort of a gift or a talent yeah. or some sort of special quality about yeah. them that can be seen as I don't know maybe they're more athletic or musically gifted yeah or, yeah they're really, really smart. Yeah. <laughs> or or considered more beautiful than yes. the other the other like um, siblings. Beautiful. Yeah, naturally beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. 
<laughs> she might as well tell the story. Okay. Um, so obviously us growing up with all five five of us girls, yeah. um, you can you can tell. I don't, oh. I, I don't know. <laughs> well, I mean, it's Bridie's story really because it was said to her, but mum was drunk one day and said that. Um, <laughs> that Bridie's the only one in the family with natural beauty. But the rest of us are we're pretty, but we're, Bridie but we has need makeup. To yeah, be pretty. Bridie has natural beauty anyway. Um, so, so the yeah. golden no, sorry, the golden child like all other roles they can um they change often yeah. like and over time like sometimes it can be a long period of time that someone's within a role or sometimes it can be as frequently as changing every day. I know? think um in terms of like someone staying in that role for a long time um you can quite often see it with like dance moms Mm -hmm. or like cheer cheerleader moms yeah or or beauty pageant moms yeah like that's Mm. a real like common um thing of like their child is this golden child they they need to live up to these expectations you know Mm -hmm. they're seen as like this beautiful talented yeah yeah young extension of their mother i think that's a really prime example of a of a golden child oh definitely um and they get the Things like more attention, more compliments, more resources. Yeah. Um, yeah. From the narcissistic mother. So, in my case, I don't know if Bridie was the golden child in other ways, but in in this memory that I have, we mm. lived in this house, and she had a bedroom downstairs, and her bed, like I was so jealous. It had this like mosquito net over top, like princess pink or purple, yeah. I think it was net over top, and like this really nice room, and I was so jealous because my room was like. Within the house, it was built to be a second lounge. Once you go upstairs, it was meant to be like a second lounge kind of area. Mm. But it was my room that mum or anyone else had to walk through to get yeah. to mum's room. And I slipped on a blanket on the floor. I don't remember why I didn't have a bed, but I didn't. So <laughs> at the time, it made sense to me. Like, I don't like remember. Like you normalized it. Yeah, I just yeah. don't remember being confused as to why I didn't have a bed, but I didn't. So, <laughs> um, yeah, that's, that's so, one like, example of one sibling having this like great bedroom and and then the polar opposite and then yeah 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 i think also like like we've said a million times like you normalize so much stuff when you're a child because it's easy to cope with that way yeah um yeah yeah so in this case and i guess in other situations um you can form like resentment towards these yeah. other siblings. I mean, and you can see how if one person's getting treated nicely and the other one's not, then it's easy to yeah, feel like they're not receiving them. the same level of care. So mm-hmm. why would you then, you know? Yeah, yeah. Why would you then look at that and go, "Oh, this is fine." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, yeah. In regards to the scapegoat and the golden child, quite often those are like the two main roles mm. within the family. And quite often the mother will use those roles to pit the, um, I, was about to say, I was about to say students, <laughs> but it's not students, but no. it's kind of like yeah. poetic in a sense to, <laughs> yeah, yeah. to say that. But she'll, <clears throat> the, the mother will, will use those roles to pit the um, siblings against each other um, and cause something called triangulation. Yeah, use um, something called triangulation. Use, Sorry. yeah, yeah. Um, you can explain what triangulation oh, no. is. You're doing lots of research on that today. No. So it's a, a tactic that a person uses. It's a manipulation tactic. And mm. basically, like in this example, the narcissistic mother, they won't communicate directly yeah. with another person. They'll instead use a third person to relay information. So like a triangle. Yeah. Like kind of like splitting. So yeah. 
one person can manipulate the relationship between the other two by controlling the communication between them. So I think it was you who said, like, they control the narrative. They yeah. they decide what, like, what What information sort of is being yes. released about what situations. Um, it's kind of like, I guess you could call it, like, divide it, like a divide yeah, and conquer. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Um, we'll probably go into yeah, more detail in a later episode about yeah. triangulation and how that works. Interesting. But I think a good example of that would probably be for our dad. Um, because he lived overseas, it was very easy for this to happen. But one way that our mum used um, us and him to triangulate the situation and turn us against him was she would send emails to Half him us, yeah. saying that it was us typing the emails, you know, mm. saying all sorts of stuff like, why won't you give us money? We're going to stop talking to you, blah, mm. blah, blah. That's a really, like, obvious, mm. well, not at the time, but obvious form of triangulation because mm-hmm. she's directly controlling the information that is being... Yeah, and to be fair, sometimes we would be the ones writing those emails, but it was always like, you know, why don't you ask your father? Why don't you yeah. email your dad and ask yeah. for money? You know, we don't have dinner, well, then ask dad for money. Like, yeah. Yeah, it yeah. was big a bit messy. manipulation. <laughs> um, yeah. So in regards to the golden child, they have this immense um, pressure to perform or, mm. you know, um, what do you call it? Like raise up to the standards yeah, of, yeah. Of, of what the narcissist mother has put upon them. So like if they're a natural athlete, like they're good at, I don't know, cheerleading. Yeah. I'm just going to go back to that example. Yeah. They will continuously feel this pressure to sort of be the best they can be yeah be the best they can be and and it's unrealistic expectations you know like yeah absolutely they they will never feel like they're good enough because the narcissist mother will always they can always do better they can always push harder they can always achieve more yeah absolutely um yeah so if the golden child either as a child or when they're older, decide that they, you know, they don't want to be a cheerleader anymore. Yeah. Or, you know, <laughs> they a don't want to be a ballerina. <laughs> yeah. Um, this can lead to like a fall from grace, basically. And the golden child realizes that that relationship with the mother, the narcissistic mother was conditional. Yeah. I think that kind of, that kind of reminds me of when, um, I first got my horse Marmite? Marmite. Yeah, he's lovely. Oh, sweet boy. <laughs> sweet old boy. Yeah. But it was, it was kind of this thing of, um, I think during that time when I had this horse, so I, I, I was into horses for a, for a little while, for a few years, I think, but it was mm. so expensive, so I ended up getting out of it. Um, but when I first started getting into horses, I kind of, not, not for an extended period of time, but fleetingly would be put into that role of, mm. of the golden child, I think. Because mum's a horsey person. Yeah, and so it was quite interesting that when I didn't want to do something or I didn't want to ride or I wanted to ride by myself or, mm-hmm. you know, someone else wanted to ride by themselves and didn't want to involve her, it was like you weren't um, meeting those expectations that mm. she had for you. And I think that was made it really present, the fact that, you know, that love or that love bombing and that yes. um, idea, idealization. Idealization? Yeah, I think that's the word. <laughs> we'll have to look that up. <laughs> um, was conditional. You yeah. Know? Yeah, and as soon as you didn't want to do that thing, it's like, okay, I'm going to drop you now. Yeah, yeah, but I think um, we should also talk about enmeshment. Yes, yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah. Um. So this is probably something we want to do a whole episode on because yeah. it's, it's, again, a really interesting topic and quite prominent within a narcissistic family, yeah. with, you know, with a parent yeah. who's a narcissist. And it can even be prominent within, um, like, 
you look at like someone who's in a relationship with their boyfriend or their girlfriend or mm-hmm. husband or wife, it can also happen there yes. with, with yeah. normal relationships as well. Yeah. But very prominently in yes, sort of the definitely. narcissistic family yeah. dynamic. Um, yeah. So the golden child is pretty much like the mother's best friend I guess you could say you know they're in each other's pockets and they do everything together they're their support person they're um you know their their personal boundaries Mm. are just like totally blurred and they pretty much like lose their sense of identity I guess you could say because it pretty much means like their primary job is to make the narcissist happy yeah no matter what yeah um yeah, I guess you Yeah, I yeah. You had I, a little bit of that growing up, eh? Yeah, yeah. So I mean I don't I like poor like we said at the beginning, we don't have a lot of memories being the golden child. Um, but it's interesting to look back and kind of look at experiences yeah. and realise times that you were. Um, I wonder if um like that's a I I always wonder if like because I have heaps of gap I know that sorry that I no, interrupted you but okay. I have heaps of we have heaps of gaps in our memories as children so I wonder if that's like part of mm. childhood trauma yeah. or something oh, that we can't remember things because like our brain's trying to protect us yeah but yeah. carry on no all good um so the memory for memory for me is that mum broke up with a partner. And I had a whole week off school so that I yeah. could support her and help her feel better. Yeah. And this was in, like, I was 14, maybe 15, depending on what time of year it was. Um, my first year of NCEA, which is, like, the first level at school in New Zealand yeah. where you're tested at, like, a national kind of level. Yeah. And I had a week off because mum was essentially depressed. And, like, at the time, I didn't see it as a bad thing because I'm, like... like oh, this is cool. <laughs> yeah, I'm, like, sweet, I get a week off school. And I wasn't good at school, so, like, I didn't feel like it was a big deal. I think I, I want to, like, correct you there because <laughs> of the fact that, like, I think you should give yourself more credit because you're studying psychology okay. at the moment and you're you're passing all of your exams you're passing all of your papers oh. you know really well like Thank you. <laughs> I'm uncomfortable with compliments but so I think I think you should give yourself more credit I think probably when I mean that that's the whole thing with controlling the narrative again is the fact that mum used to control the narrative the narcissist wants to control the narrative mm. and her narrative to you because it didn't serve her purpose was to say you don't you're not good at school like she'll speak for you and be like mm. oh you're not good at school like, oh well I originally had enrolled to become a social worker and she told me I wouldn't be able to hack it yeah because I'm yeah not smart enough not not smart enough but anyway um yeah so I didn't see taking a week off as a bad thing I saw it as something I needed to do because I had to support my mom that, yeah that's what you do mm. and also fun because I was not not great at school um but you know I look back now and I'm like okay that was actually really destructive to my schoolwork but also as a 14 15 year old I was caring for a grown woman and I wasn't mentally or emotionally equipped for anything like that Mm. um that's a bit of codependency as well as well as enmeshment yeah Yeah. it's it's kind of like what was that meme that you shared (laughs) where it was like this is my eldest emotional support Daughter. daughter yeah that's my favorite meme because that's literally what I was yeah like it's it's you're there as the child when they want you to be the child and yeah. to be controlled but also you're there as this yes best adult, friend who's, best friend adult you know <laughs> where if you or I needed to talk to someone we would call up our friend you'd call up your friend I'd, yeah. I'd talk to Ellen you'd talk to an adult that would be like me talking to the 13 year old I look after yeah and expecting him to solve all my problems yeah. like yeah. I just wouldn't do it because 
he's not emotionally equipped to handle that just like I wasn't. Like, yeah, and I think, I think like as kids, you want to be involved in that stuff. Like when you makes you feel grown up. Yeah, it makes you feel grown up. But but you do, you're not there as a child to be your parents emotional support person you're there for the parent to provide you the tools to to grow and thrive not to be their shoulder to cry on and be their everything and and yeah and it's kind of like you're taking the place of their spouse because at the time when this happened obviously mum had split up with someone so I'm in that role of like support person where a spouse spouse would normally be yeah and interestingly enough every time there was a spouse or a partner I wasn't needed I didn't need to be leaned on like that yeah, um, but then when there were issues between yes, the, the partner was, and mum, yeah. you were then placed in that role <clears throat> again. Yeah. Um, but uh, just going on to kind of talking about codependency yes. and, and, and that kind of stuff, just a brief sidebar. explanation. <laughs> yeah, sidebar. Um, so a codependent relationship is essentially um, where one person enables another person does that make sense yeah so it can be like enabling their addiction or poor mental health or irresponsibility or immaturity so like in my case mum was relying on me to like heal her yeah. and help her get her through and I think a lot of a lot of I mean I can't speak for anybody else, anybody mm. else in the family but I've seen a lot of those patterns go on where she'll latch on to kind of mm. one child to another in mm-hmm. order to fix her problems yes yeah so, you know, ignoring the fact that I wasn't in a position to be able to provide her that kind of care, you know, and yeah. I was so, and I feel like it, sometimes I still am in a weird way attuned to like her needs yeah. and feelings. Like, yeah. it, you know, it would, I would always consider how something was going to make her well, feel or react. Because also mm. I think, I think also in regards to like codependency and meshment and all this stuff, it's also a another tactic that we can get into at another <laughs> at another time. Um, you think about like passive aggressiveness mm-hmm. and like um, you say one thing but you mean mm. another. And I think in terms of you saying like you're attuned to to her thoughts and feelings and stuff, I think also it's, I mean it's such a hard habit to get out of, but mm. like second guessing what someone actually means. Yes, because of us growing up having to do that all the time, having to, yeah. for, for someone to go, I'm fine when they're obviously not when fine. When they're not fine or giving you the silent treatment, but not telling you what the matter is. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that is sort of comes into play with you mm-hmm. saying like, Oh, I'm emotionally in tune, in tune with her feelings yeah. because of the fact that you are consistently trying to second guess. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. I mean, in terms of codependency, like, nothing really matters all that matters is that you're supporting that person so for me it didn't matter that I was at school Mm. or not mature enough to deal with adult issues you know I was essentially an unqualified teenage counselor trying to tend to the wounds of like a middle-aged woman yeah and that's so wrong it should be the opposite yes like you're put in this place as a child where you're like you have to do an adult thing you have to do an adult thing and support me no matter what you know I'm gonna take you out of school I'm gonna cry to you and and yeah you know all this madness yeah it kind of reminds me of something that my auntie has said to me and she said I always I always see you as that sweet little Chloe looking after the other girls when you were just a young girl yourself Mm. and I'm like holy fuck like I it doesn't really I don't like talking about it or thinking about it too much how much I did look after everybody else because it's quite confronting yeah. like yeah I don't I don't know it's quite yeah just I think I think 
again, we're going off on another tangent, yeah. but I think in terms of that, it's it's almost like when you're in, because I, I find it hard as well to think about mm. my childhood mm. self back then. And I think it's because of the fact that so often when you've gone through hard times growing up and when you've been through trauma you separate yourself from that trauma and you separate yourself from the bad memories but then when you sit down and actually think about okay this was my life these Mm. memories aren't just you know a movie that's played out in my head Mm -hmm. it was actually me that was going through that and dealing with that you're confronted with the fact that you have to then almost like see your younger self and go how did like how did this happen are you like this was damaging for you and i mean i guess that's why my therapist anyway, and I'm sure plenty of others, get you to picture 12-year-old you, 14-year-old you, 7-year-old yeah. you experiencing the thing that you're talking about because it's so hard to picture a tiny little version of yourself who yeah. didn't deserve to go because through all this you, shit. you feel like it's you as an adult yes. experiencing yeah. it. When, you're telling these, when I'm telling these stories or you are, I mean, I don't know about you, but yeah. agree if you want to agree. But, <laughs> but when you're telling the stories, you're almost like picturing your adult self going mm-hmm. through that. Like, yeah. I remember one memory where there was a really huge fight going on um, and I, it was like 2am or something. It was bloody dark and, you know, wet ground mm. and all this stuff. And because I, it was such a stressful, horrible argument in the middle of the night, I like went out into the backyard and hid in the garden mm. because I didn't want to be around the screaming. Mm. And then mum came out and yelled at me and told me to come inside. Yeah. Um, but, but when I think about that, it's like, I'm picturing myself as an adult doing that. Yes. When realistically, it wasn't an adult. Yeah, you were a little that. girl. It was a, it was a child. Yeah. <laughs> so, anyway. <yeah. laughs> I hope you guys don't mind that we go off on tangents all the time. Yeah. But it's all, it's not like we're talking about, you know, my, like, random things. But it kind of th- relates back. Yeah. And I and I, I hope that by us having these, like, long, you know, yeah. tangents where we go on to random stories, I hope that maybe us telling our truths, because that's what it is, mm. Um, our experiences yeah maybe us telling our truths will then uh pave the way for other people to see themselves in our stories yeah and find support from knowing that other people have been through yeah. it as well and do you know at the end of the day if this doesn't help anyone and nobody listens i don't care because like it's helping us yeah so yeah and it's, i think it's healing I think for us that's a huge part of this is like because we because of again this is another huge <laughs> tangent right now but i think it's a huge process with trauma and mm-hmm. childhood trauma and all this stuff where it's like you have been gaslit for how many years growing up? You've been told your experiences are not your own. You've been told um, it wasn't as bad as it wasn't as you bad. You're overreacting all this stuff. And it's like now we're sitting here going, no, we're owning our truth and mm-hmm. we're owning our story. Yeah. And this is what happened. And we're not going to pretend it didn't happen. And we're not going to pretend it didn't affect us. Like, yeah. Because and that's the polar, that's going in the opposite direction to healing. Yeah, exactly. I, well, I think it is. Anyway. <laughs> anyway, I, I the think, golden child. <laughs> I think it is important though because, because I want other people to be able to, maybe they, they doubt themselves. Yeah. You know, I want other people to be able to like, no, this is what happened to me too. And, you know, I want to do something about it, whether that's getting therapy or just talking to someone, you know. Yeah. I don't know. Well, speaking of um, doubting themselves, <laughs> the golden child. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think it can be, you know, last week or a few days ago, we were talking <laughs> about um, how the scapegoat finds it easy to 
not easy, but easier, I guess, to Just, yeah. get themselves out. Whereas, yeah, and, and see the abusive patterns. Yeah, whereas the golden child, it can be harder for them almost to put a label on the family as being like, oh, this was abusive or this was traumatic or, or whatever, because toxic. they aren't, yeah, toxic, because mm. they, they aren't experiencing the same kind of yeah. treatment as yeah. the worst side of the family exactly. could be. Exactly, yeah, they're, they're getting the good treatment, basically. Mm. Yeah. Um, and I think it's also hard for them to move away from the family because there's this, like, deep-rooted sense of responsibility you know they feel like they have to look after the mother they have to protect her even though she's a grown-ass adult like yeah i know for me um it it, i mean i lived at home i know that's a common thing to live at home you know into your early 20s sort Mm. of thing but i did live at home for a while and i felt like i couldn't move out because who would look after mom if i didn't yeah and especially when i was younger um, when mum's drinking was bad, I wanted nothing more th- to move out. But mm. like one, where would I go? I was, you know, I had no experience outside of living mm. at home. But all I could think was like, I have to look after mum and I have to look after my sisters. Like, and I think, in in terms of that, also it's a really common, um, saying of, I can't think of what I'm trying to say. It's it's you know that saying of. After everything I did for you, oh I raised God. you, I did this, I, yes. I put food on the table, I worked hard, I gave up everything to have you. Um, and so it puts this like deep-rooted sense of guilt yeah. that you're like, I owe her something. Yeah, she put food in my belly and clothes on my back and a roof over my head, so yeah. I have to look after her. But like, nobody asks to be born yeah. and you don't get... This is my the biggest thing that has come out of this for me, and I think it was you who originally said it to me, was like you don't get a gold medal for doing the bare minimum. Yeah. Like you chose to have a child, so it's your responsibility to clothe that child and feed that child and put a roof over their head. Yeah. And you don't get to hold that above over their heads for yeah. the rest of their lives. Like well, like you there know, were conditions to to yes. like breastfeeding. If I had known like, that, well, I wouldn't me. have been born. Like seriously. <laughs> yeah. You owe me, you know, yeah, like twenty years worth of labor. Shit. Because I breastfed you. I know. <laughs> but um so often when the golden child will be thinking of leaving or wanting to do things for themselves, kind of break away from that mold, they'll also engage other family members to make them feel bad about it or to change their mind or whatever. Um, like someone we know was on the verge of moving, moving out, out, maybe and, going low contact. Yeah, and kind of stepping away from that mold. And the um, sibling of that person turned around and said, if you, if she'll, the narcissist mother will kill herself if you leave. Yeah. Um, and that's, I mean, I hope that everybody listening knows that that's a really fucking toxic thing yeah, to say. Yeah, you don't say that. Yeah. Um, um, that's a good example of what's called a flying monkey. Yeah. Which is from what movie? The Wizard of Oz. Wizard of Oz. So if you picture. Yeah, the, what, what is she, the evil witch? Yeah, what's in the movie? In Wicked so Witch of. Yeah, list. yeah. We've probably got it all wrong, but yeah, that's fine. So. And she sends out her like evil monkeys. It's kind of like that. Bedding. So because then the narcissistic mother doesn't look bad. Yeah, they're, they're not the ones coming out saying, "If you leave, I'm going to kill myself." It's this so, other person saying that. So you're like, yeah. "Oh well, you know." It it, it it doesn't reflect badly on the narcissist. Yeah, it doesn't exactly. reflect badly on the mum. It's the person who's going out and saying that stuff. Yes, um, but we'll probably. I feel like we say this so often. I We're going to talk about this in another episode as well. But we are, well. yeah. We have It's we kind have of plans. hard to do an episode that doesn't mention something 
that yeah. we need to explain in a full episode. Yeah, but uh, just know if we, we're throwing around these terms and giving real brief descriptions, we do have plans for future episodes mm-hmm. to discuss so in more detail about, you know, flying monkeys and, and all that stuff. Yeah, so if a, if a golden child does leave or when they leave, they can experience, like, survivor's guilt, kind of, because their siblings were mistreated mm. and they weren't, you know. Um, so kind of there are two things that can kind of happen when a golden child grows up. Yeah. Um, and one of them is that they're so wrapped up in the toxicity of it all that, yeah. and, and being idolized and being like everything for the narcissistic mother that they themselves become a narcissist when they're older. I think also in regards to that, mm-hmm. um, it's, it's less so it, – it, it is involved with, you know, they're used to being idolized yes. and, and all this stuff. But I think also in terms of that, it's a safe place for them to be. Mm, they're they're so true. used to honing these behaviors and honing these um, – traits mm-hmm. that they then go on to to have those same coping mechanisms that the narcissistic mother does yes do you get what i mean yeah 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 that's a good point to to make yeah um and then the other side of that is that the golden child doesn't live up to the responsibilities that pl- that's placed on them and then they become the next scapegoat <laughs> yeah like and and again this term triangulation is mm. coming up um, that is quite often a tactic used as well when when the roles change mm. and the golden child then turns into the scapegoat. Um, the the new golden child. Yeah, that she'll then replace the golden child with someone else and mm-hmm. put another person in that place and and be like, oh look how much better this person is for you. Yes. And that that also is a form of triangulation. Yeah. I'm guessing. Yeah. Um, pitting siblings and and people against each other mm. because it's like you see yourself in this position of being, you know, higher up in the hierarchy than other people. And then yeah. suddenly you're like removed and you're like, oh, <laughs> I'm not as good okay. as I thought. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, it all sounds so serious. Um, and again, it is. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, and, and I guess at the end of our episode on the scapegoat, it was easy to say that, you know, it's true that being a scapegoat makes it easy to see the abuse, easy to get away. And yeah. maybe that's not so true for the golden child yeah um but i don't know maybe if you recognize yourself or a sibling or someone you know in that description it can be really hard to come to terms with the fact that there was abuse that existed in your home whether you it was directed at you or not yeah i think in in regards to that like you know there are so many resources out there that you can that you can use and we have a lot of them in our show notes that can help with recovery but also i think a really important thing is to go and talk to people outside of the family about it oh god yeah but safe people obviously but but go and talk to someone that is a neutral party and talk about your childhood and see what their responses are because often people who are still inside that even like far relatives Mm. who are inside of that you know toxic family Mm -hmm. cycle they will often um you know, support the support narcissist. the narcissist and not be able to see that that stuff was toxic. You mm-hmm. know, um, I think one point just to interrupt that's important to make there as well is that extended family members they might not see that it was a toxic environment or they kind of did, and there's a lot of guilt there that maybe they don't want to address that they could have done something. Well, you know? yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I think because I mean, for us. There were lots of adults in our lives that could have that failed that failed us as children, and I think that's so common throughout, you know, toxic family cycles. Is that Mm. 
is that there are children who essentially need to be taken out of a dangerous yeah. situation or a toxic situation or yeah. in a damaging situation and nothing is done because mm-hmm. they consistently will want to protect the abuser. Yeah. And that is what happened in our childhood and it happens everywhere. All the time. And yeah. and I think if you're listening to this going, maybe that was me, I have I feel guilty, I, you know, I should have done something. I think it's then that you need to take a look inward and go, okay, then what can I do to fix this situation? How can I learn mm-hmm. from my mistakes? Because not everybody is going to realize that that they did a shitty thing by yeah, yeah. by their siblings or did a shitty thing by their children or whatever but mm. i think it's just so important to if you recognize that you've that you've made that mistake or you look at you know your history and see that you've done that then mm. i think just yeah learn from your mistakes <laughs> talk to do someone research about it. talk to someone about it but, yeah but yeah yeah and i guess just in that same vein it, the realization that either your childhood wasn't picture perfect or even just, you know, not even perfect, nothing's perfect, just okay. Yeah. Or, you know, you realize that someone you know isn't as perfect as you thought they yeah. were. And and maybe there's a bit of a facade there or like a smoke screen and suddenly you're seeing things with different with a different lens. You know, mm-hmm. it's quite a hard realization, but talk to someone you trust, support if you can afford it, you know, therapy is yeah. good. I, you're going to hear that a lot from yeah. us. Yeah, therapy's the best. <laughs> and if my therapist ever listens to this, hi. <laughs> um also um oh, what was I going to say? The other thing, I think what Portia said as well about talking to someone outside of that dynamic is probably the most important. Mm. You know, a, a good friend or someone who like we said in the first episode will react appropriately. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, we haven't talked as long today. I think, I think that's something to do with the fact that we just have yes. hardly any... We have more, mem- more memories of being, of a, being scapegoat. a scapegoat than we do of um, being a mm, golden, golden child. child. Good thinking. Uh, there's, there's other people in our family um, that have more experience being the golden child mm. because we've seen it happen. Mm. Um, but we can't speak, we can't speak for, their, yeah. for their experiences so yeah. there's there's no point but I know that I've seen it within yeah. our family of people Me being too. put in that position and mm. sort of being pushed to to do things that maybe they didn't want to do I mean I don't know yeah I'm not them so I exactly. can't say <laughs> but, but but yeah yeah I mean growing up we we were you know made to, to do ballet and stuff and made to be these perfect little ballerinas and to- that was totally the whole you know an extension of our mum because she grew up doing doing, doing dance yeah and so it was like a like I'm gonna push my children to do yeah. this even though they're crying while they're doing yeah I mean that's one thing rehearsals. dad said to us is that he always felt like we never wanted to practice yeah he was um, like oh the only time I liked it I liked watching it was when you guys were up on stage I hated mm, watching the practice practices because and you guys, I know girls always, always ended up crying I know mum really didn't want me to quit when I decided I wanted to yeah quit um, and I guess one quick thing to point out as well is that it's so hard to see, like, I wanted to do ballet for a long yeah. time. And I think a lot of that was because it made mum happy. Like, yeah. it was, it was something that made her happy. Um, but I mean, I didn't enjoy it. <laughs> I didn't like it. Yeah. I, I do miss ballet now, but yeah. I hated it as a, as a kid. Mm. But now I, I'm like, oh. I kind of miss it. Yeah. But, but yeah. Um so next week we are going to be talking about um the invisible child. Yeah. We? But I think also in terms of that we'll probably mm. delve into other areas 
which you might have heard some terms that we've been throwing around today. Like yeah. we'll, we'll also touch on um, in more detail on flying monkeys or enablers or the hero or parental child mm-hmm. um, and, and sort of like the neutral yes. sibling as well. Yeah. Um, because I feel like we've kind of covered the two the two main ones. Main ones that people probably have more experience with. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I think there's other sort of areas yeah, that we can that we touch can on next week as well. Yeah. Yeah. So thank you for listening, as always. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and if you have any questions or, or feedback, what was our email again, Chloe? <laughs> it's the no contact club at gmail.com. You just say that so well. Like, oh, do I? <laughs> you're, you, you, you pronounce it so well. I feel like I slur my words. I'm like, the no contact <laughs> No contact club. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, thanks okay. for listening. Yeah, thank you. Look after yourselves. And stay classy. Bye, guys. Bye.